So if you have a Bible, I would love for you to go to the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 12. And we're gonna start there. And this series is really, um, this series is really not just about how to live through a bad day, but it's a, it's a lot of things. I think that in our world and in our society, um, all of us can resonate with the idea that we've had a bad day, right? Yes. Uh, traffic, you can stop by a train in DFW. Bad day, right? We've all had them. You, you know, uh, we left uh, this weekend, Man and I, we celebrated our 12th anniversary. Yeah. And so, yes. I, uh, man, as 12 of the best years of her, I mean, my life. And um, we're just so honored to do this. But we left to go to Austin this weekend to, to run a, a race called the Spartan Race. And as we left, we left DFW at about uh, 3.30 on a Friday, okay? And that's like prime for every traffic that you can hit from here to Austin. So we left here. I was angry. We got to the south side of Fort Worth. I was angry. We got to uh, Waco. I was angry. We got to Austin. I was angry because what should have been a three-hour and 30, 40-minute trip turned into like a four-and-a-half-hour trip because you know on the way there, there was a Bucky's and everybody's got to stop at Bucky's. You know what I'm saying? And so that actually like gave me a little bit of joy and so Bucky's, like my kid thinks Bucky's is like Disneyland, all right? She's like, this is the greatest thing ever. And we've all had them, right? We've all had bad days. We've all experienced uh, pain. We've all experienced something that we, that we didn't like. Some of us, our bad days have been self-inflicted. Amen to that. Like I think that sometimes we've, we've self-inflicted our bad days. We've, we've made choices. We've done things the wrong way. Everybody has them. And Saturday was just one of them for me because I chose to put my body through a race called the Spartan Race, all right? And I finished. I'm alive. Uh, my goal was to finish. I did not care if I won. I had two goals. I was telling Matt this morning, who helps us out at our church, I was telling him this morning, I said, I had two goals. It was to finish and live. Those are my only two goals for the whole race. I had two goals, finish and live. So me, uh, my wife, my brother-in-law, who is like a Spartan extraordinaire, he decided to run with all the cute kids like us uh, because we knew that we needed help. And the first thing that you need to know about running a Spartan race is that it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of training. It takes a lot of effort. And, and honestly, um, the running part was not the difficult part. Uh, I run often. The running part or the, the, the more difficult part was all the obstacles. There were 25 obstacles that you had to do. Some of them you had to hang and swing. You had to carry. The worst one for me was carrying a five-gallon bucket full of sand and rocks, um, and you couldn't carry it on your shoulder. You had to bear hug it. And, and so we get up to it, and my, my brother-in-law, Robert, who's an expert, he's like, I don't see any hills. And I'm like, yes, thank you, Jesus. I've been praying. It's gonna be a good day. And we get to this part, and I'm carrying. I'm like, oh, I got this. It's not a big deal. And I walk around the corner, and guess what's there? That hill. And it's like, I, I know that it's probably only about 20 yards, but it felt like 150, okay? Like, I was struggling to get up the hill. And, and we put our bodies to the limit. And even working up to this, uh, to this event, there's a lot of uh, things that take place that I did not do. Uh, so before you get into the pit to even run the race, there's a wall that's probably uh, five and a half feet to six feet. You have to jump the wall, girl or guy. You have to get over the wall. Um, some of the girls weren't even tall enough to even like, they had to like really jump. 
And so I felt bad for them. But I jumped into the pit and all these dudes are in there and the guy's like getting everybody pumped up to race and everybody's got face paint on. And I looked around and I realized I'm the only guy with my shirt on and I'm the only guy that's not in shape. <laughs> and that's okay because they don't wanna see me with my shirt off right now. They will all run faster, okay? Everybody will be passing me back. I don't wanna see that guy with his shirt off. So I realized I'm out of shape. So they, they put us in a, in a heat and then the girls come after us. So uh, my brother-in-law and I, Rob, we, we waited on Amanda and we ran through the first part of the woods and we waited on her and we all completed the race together. But you, you go through water that's like, you know, knee deep and above. You, you go through this pit that's water. You've got to go under it. You roll under barbed wire. You jump over fire. You pull on these ropes that have bags hanging on them all the way up to like uh, 25 to 50 feet. You do all these things. And at the end of the day, I thought, this is going to be great. And then something happened. The race was over and my adrenaline stopped setting in. And I realized something. Oh, man, my back's hurting. And I realized something. I moved muscles that I haven't moved in years, decades. Like, I, I, I got to the house last night, and I was like, man, I'm, my wife, no lie, it looks like that we got in a fight, and I just slapped her, her arms. She has bruises all over her from climbing on stuff, from crawling on her stuff. She has the biggest bruise on the front of her shin because she tried to swing her leg over and didn't get it and hit it on a metal bar. Like all this stuff, we went through pain. Uh, there's a, a couple of spaces where it's really difficult. There's an eight foot wall that you've got to jump. So you basically have to use all your strength, jump, grab, pull yourself up. Um, so for me, uh, I would let Robert go, let Robert, he's in really good shape, so he just does it, all right? So like, uh, then my wife would go, and when we get to the eight-foot wall, I, she knew, she's like, I can't do this, you're gonna have to help me. And so she ran, jumped, and grabbed, and so I like, I'm like pushing her over the top. So not only did I do that like twice, I was doing all these things that I couldn't do. And here's the deal, for every, every obstacle that you don't finish, you do 30 burpees, So you're talking about pain. Let me tell you obstacles I finished, not a lot, okay? I did a lot of burpees. If you come up to me today and you're like, hey man, how's it going? And you hit me, I'm like, it's going great. Like my body hurts. I've been through pain. It's been a struggle. At the end of it, um, I, I climbed up this rope and I'm climbing over the top and I thought, thank you, Jesus, this is over with. And it was painful. Now, on a more serious note, I think that all of us experienced pain. And it may not have been because you decided to run a race that was dumb, but it may be that you've experienced pain from, from, uh, from divorce. Maybe you've experienced pain from uh, a relationship. Maybe you have experienced pain from abuse. Maybe there are people here today who have been physically or emotionally, or sexually abused. Maybe you're thinking the pain that I'm experiencing is the person sitting next to me. I don't know. But we've all experienced pain. Maybe some of you have been accused of something that you were wrongfully accused about. Maybe 
you have been called out. Maybe you've been lied to. Every one of us in life experience pain. It's not easy going through pain. It's not easy to go through life limping. It's not easy. But here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, it says, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Now that's not like, like, Jesus didn't know about the Spartan race then, all right? So this isn't like literally for me. But I want you to understand something. It says this, it says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. The source and the perfecter of our, let us run our race with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus. As I was running this race Yesterday, I was running with a bad hamstring that I had hurt playing basketball because I think that I'm younger than I actually am, all right? And so I'm running, and the only thing I could do was keep my eyes right in front of me because there were rocks, there was debris, there were slippery slopes. I watched a guy busted about six foot four, 270 on these rocks. I didn't know if he was gonna get up. And I would look down and I would keep my eyes right in front of me because I did not want to slip. I did not want to fall. I did not want to sway. I did not want to turn my ankle. I did not want to experience any more pain than I had already experienced in this race. And the Bible calls us that when we're in this pain of walk of life, that we would keep our eyes on Jesus the source and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured what? The cross. Despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So maybe you're here and you've experienced pain. As a matter of fact, maybe you're here and you are offended by what somebody has done to you in your life. Can I tell you something about a fence? You know what it does to you? It builds a fence between you and the person that you need to forgive. Anybody ever seen, uh, back in the day, there was a show called Tim the Toolman Taylor. I love that show. There was a guy that you never saw his face. There was always a fence in between him. You could just see from eyes up. There was always a fence. And some of us, we live our lives in a fence. We live offended, and so we build these fences so that we're not gonna get hurt, right? Am I right? We all do this. Well, I'm not doing that. That's, that hurt. I'm not going through that pain again. I'm not gonna struggle with that again. I'm gonna build a fence. And what we do is we build a fence, and it keeps us in this realm of unforgiveness. And when we live in unforgiveness, we live offended. And when we live offended, we don't do what Jesus asked us to do. Listen, if anybody had the right to be offended, it was Jesus. Unforgiveness does not punish the person, it actually punishes you. When you hold offense to people and you hold unforgiveness towards people, it doesn't punish them. You know why? Because you're doing it privately. They don't know that you're offended. 
You're upset with them. You're tired of their You're thinking about the fight that you're gonna have with them if they actually checked you. Like, oh, this is what I would say to them. You build a fence and it gets higher and it gets higher. Before all, you can't see them. You can't see the people around. And you walk around offended and in offense. But Jesus had the right to be offended. And I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes we feel like that we have the right to be offended. I've heard it said this way, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That's what unforgiveness is like. It's like, all right, I'm gonna drink some poison and I'm gonna pray that they die. No, unforgiveness does not punish the person, it punishes you. And so often in life, we walk around with unforgiveness. You see, if I were to put all these messages, this collection of talks, I I, I wanted to start it here because this is what I believe, that the Bible says that an offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city. And then it says, and quarrels are like the bars of a fortress. You know, last week my wife talked about a fortress. And when you are offended, you start to build your own fortress. And here's the deal. A fortress can actually, it was meant to keep people out, but what it'll do is it'll keep you in and it will keep you offended for your whole life. And you'll, you'll bottle things and you'll carry things with you everywhere you go. So here's what I wanna say to you. This is gonna be a tough topic today. I came with a little bit, uh, with my hands a little bit callous today from a race because I knew that I was gonna have to say some things that somebody did not want to hear but that they needed to hear. If Jesus were to put this sermon series together, he would say, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Because there are people out there that you feel like they're trying to ruin your life. Scripture says that if you don't forgive people, that it's a bitter root that will defile many. If you don't forgive people, it's a bitter root. I I always say this. I don't want to be bitter. I want to be better. And so often we walk around with bitterness because we have built a fence and, of our, and are offended about everything. You know that when you're offended about everything, what it does is it keeps you from actually getting to know people. And Jesus is trialed. He is put through the ringer. If anyone had the right to be offended, it was Jesus. Here's what happened. Jesus was betrayed. You ever been betrayed? Yeah, he was betrayed by one of his own, a guy named Judas. Jesus was falsely accused. Now, in Roman culture, he went through a trial that was through the night, which was illegal. So he was falsely accused. He experienced rejection. Not one disciple showed up to have Jesus's back when he was going through torture. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they scattered and then Peter denied it. Like, I don't know that guy. No, uh-uh, I do not know him. Jesus was rejected by his friends. You ever been there? Been rejected by a friend? I have. We've all been rejected. Rejection hurts. Jesus was abused, physically abused. They would mock him. They would beat him. They would put a robe on his back after they beat him and then 
pull it off. If you've ever had anything on dried skin where you've hurt yourself and you rip the Band-Aid off real quick, they would put a whole robe on him. They would rip it off after they beat him. Isaiah says that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. As a matter of fact, in that day when they crucified you, they didn't crucify you with your clothes on because they wanted you to be completely humiliated. So all the things that we see about crucifixion, it's very possible that Jesus was hung on a cross naked so that the world could mock, accuse, betray, abuse, and be, and so that he could be humiliated. I don't know about you, when I wrestle with these things, I struggle. Because here's what I know, I know that forgiveness takes an act of your mind before it takes an act of your emotions. The Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. <laughs> forgiveness is tough emotionally. And, and there are a lot of things that we really think forgiveness is really not, okay? Uh, forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense, right? Like sometimes we, we're not, if you've been hurt physically, if you've been uh, abused, if you've been through divorce, if you've been betrayed, if you've been lied to, I, I'm not saying that I'm gonna minimize the offense, all right? I, I, I don't think that you have to minimize it, but you do have to forgive those who have offended you. It's not, uh, um, Forgiveness is not reconciliation, okay? Reconciliation is a two-person thing. It's when you and the other person reconcile your differences. Forgiveness is a one-person thing. You forgive somebody for what they did for you. Forgiveness, it's not doing what's fair. And I'm thankful that it's not doing what's fair. Unforgiveness, or forgiveness is not doing what's fair. And here's why. Because I deserve the cross. And if it were fair, that would be me. But Jesus gave his life for me. Forgiveness is not impossible. Do you know that? It's not. Forgiveness is not impossible. It's difficult. It's painful. It's a struggle. It's really, really hard, but it's not impossible. And here's how I know this. Philippians 4.13 says that I can do all things through Christ. <laughs> so every time you're like, man, I really hate that person because of what they did to me. Oh, you can do all things through Christ. Not some things, not every once in a while things, all things. When the Bible says all, the Greek word for all is all. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't like a secret word. Like it was everything. You can do everything through Christ. Forgiveness is not giving a person what they deserve. It's giving a person what they need. Not only is it giving them what they need, it's giving them who they need. It's giving them a portion of Jesus. C.S. Lewis is a, ah, man, if you've not read any C.S. Lewis books, you gotta get on the C.S. Lewis train, all right? If you've not watched any C.S. Lewis movies, um, uh, you need to get on the C.S. Lewis movie train. Like, C.S. Lewis is the man. But he said this, he said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. 
That's what it means to live through a bad day. You know how to live through a bad day? Start with everybody who's trying to ruin your day. Not only that, start with everybody who has ruined a portion of your life. So there are three things that I want you to know that are real simple and real easy, but I think that we all need to understand. Number one, this is how you forgive people. Number one, you pray for them. Here's what the book of Matthew says. It says, you have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Hold up, hold up, God. So you want me to pray for the people who are mean to me? Yes. You want me to pray for the person who did that to me? Yes. Not only should you do that, you should actively pray for them. You know why? Because it's impossible to pray for somebody and to hate them as you pray for them. Now, when we do, sometimes we do marriage counseling, and one of the things that I encourage the other people to do is if you're a husband, say, hey, why don't we just start this off? Why don't you just pray for your wife real quick? That is weird real quick. <laughs> you're like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like, I, what, you know, let's just pray about it. All of a sudden, you can't hate somebody you gotta pray for right there in the middle of the counseling session. You know, it's, it's a tough thing. Pray for them. Actively pray for them. I was just talking the other day, and I get real quiet when I go through um, certain seasons of my life, which is a very rare thing, by the way. I'm not a quiet person, but Amanda always notices. She's like, hey, are you going through anything? I said, I just really feel like God is calling me to, to do something that I'm not really comfortable with. And so we begin to chat about, um, so she said, why didn't you tell me earlier? I was like, because I didn't want to burden you. She's like, no, I need to know so I can pray for you. When you're actively praying for somebody, it's very difficult to hate them. And I know that that's difficult to hear because I know that people here, I'm not trying to minimize what has maybe happened to you in your life, what you've maybe gone through. What I am trying to get you to understand is what, I'm, what I want to reveal to you is that there is a way that you can forgive people. It's impossible to pray and hate somebody at the same time. Number two, the second thing that you need to do is bless them. Bless them. That's tough. You know what the word bless means? To speak well of them. When you pray for somebody, when you bless them, it means you speak well of them. I have, ne I have yet to, to be in the counseling session where we ask the husband to pray for the wife that he doesn't speak well of the wife. Or the counseling session is going to go really long. He starts to pray. He, he speaks well of her. Luke 6 27 through 28 says, but I say to you who listen, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Ah, Bible, why do you have to be so clear on forgiveness? Because it's important for life. Why is the scripture so clear about praying for those, bless those who hate you? Do what is good to those who hate you? Bless those who curse you? Speak well of them? Uh-uh. We don't live in that society anymore. Just get on Twitter. You'll find out real quick who doesn't like who. There's not a lot of blessing going on on Twitter. 
There's a whole lot of memeing going on. And a lot of it unhealthy. And I hate it for, for, for people because they, there's no life spoken over people anymore. You know the best thing you can do for somebody is to speak life over them. Every morning before we go to school, I remind Cooper, remember who you are. You're you. So be you. You don't have to be anybody else but you. And she repeats this to me every single morning. And the reason is, is because when she goes to school, when she walks around, I want her to know that she has her father's blessing. That she knows, like, oh, I can, like, I, I can just be me. Like, my, my dad's got my back. He's speaking life over me. Cooper, when you do this, it was a great job. Uh, when we were playing basketball, we did a great job doing this, this, and this. Speaking life. I love how you treated your friend. I've watched her on a playground before where she got snubbed by some friends. And yeah, as a nine-year-old, it happens, okay? <laughs> snubbed by some friends. So she just went and found some other friends. And she was like, and then I said, I, I was, you know how parents are. Like, oh no, they didn't do that to my kid. I'll get, out, I'll get out the car right now. Where are your mom and dad at? Like, let's talk about this. No, no, not that. I went and I said, Coop, what happened? She said, oh, they just didn't want to play. So I just said, okay. And I went to the next person. And as a parent, I got taught something by my nine-year-old. Blessing, to bless people. It's okay if they don't want to hang out with you every single night of the week. It's okay when something doesn't go the right way. It's okay when they mistreat you, you still talk highly of them. You know that in our church, we have had people who have come. We have had people who have gone. You know what's interesting about it every time? When people go and they may go to another church or they may do this, there's nothing bad ever said about them. You know why? Because I don't believe in speaking a non-blessed life over somebody. I just don't believe it. And I know some people are like, well, that's just like really shallow. No, that's really biblical. It's really biblical to bless others. That we should, Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I don't curse people. Bless them. Speak well of them. And the third thing as a church on how to survive a bad day is this. Do good to them. Oh, this is, ah, oh, man, this is tough. This is tough because here's what Romans says, Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. <laughs> Man, I love the Bible. It's really making me feel better about my life. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for not your warmth, but his warmth or his wrath, sorry. <laughs> we can take warmth in there, but... And I know that everybody's thinking like, we always think we're gonna get somebody back. Like, we're gonna give them our wrath. No, no, God's gonna take care of that one day. Like, we will all stand before God one day. And we will pay a penalty. And we will be judged for the things that we've done in our lives. So you don't have to worry about your wrath. God's got this. In case you're wondering, he doesn't need you to have his back. He died and rose from the grave. 
And if any of you have done that lately, then let's, I'll give you a high five. But he doesn't need you to have his back. He's got this. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Oh, man, God, why do you have to say such truthful things? If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. And you're like, yes, that's the part I like, right? I want the fiery coals part on their head. I don't like what they did to me. I can't believe they hurt me. And the Bible says, do not, con- be, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. And, and, and here's what I want you to know, that in the Bible, the reason that it talks about heaping fiery coals is because in Roman culture, coals were actually a very, very high-end commodity. And here's why. Because coals provided fire. And fire provided food. And if your coals, if anybody knows anything about coals, you want them to stay hot, right? You don't want your coals to burn out. And if your coals burned out, guess what you couldn't provide for? Your family. So the Bible says that if what you need to do is, is what would happen is if in that day, if you had hot coals, you would share it with everybody's coals who burned out. So not only would you feed your family, you would help feed the families of people who were broken, who were hurting. And guess what? You probably helped feed the families who were mean to your family. And you probably helped feed the people who were mean to you. You probably helped those who were abusive to you. Do good to them. I don't know if you know this person. I don't really know where you stand theologically. And I don't care because I want you to understand the story here. Joyce Meyer is a semi-famous like author, speaker, and A few years back at the Hillsong Conference, Joyce Meyer opened up and shared with everybody there, thousands upon thousands of people. She shared a story. Her dad repeatedly raped her and abused her most of her child life. As she got older, she became very well known and she wrote books and all these things. You know what she did for her dad? She bought her dad a house next to her house. She took care of her dad. When her dad got sick, guess who took care of her dad? Not hospice, but Joyce Meyer. So she took care of her family. She took care of him. And one day her dad came to her just crying. Said, please forgive me. I did so much wrong to you. I was the worst father. I did all these things that were horrible to you. You should hate me. I shouldn't be around. Why would you buy me this? Why would you build me this property next to you? I don't deserve this. Why would you take care of me? I don't deserve this. And, 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 and Joyce Meyer eventually got to lead her dad Jesus. You know what she said to all of the conferences she was speaking at? 
after that happened, she said, I'm not sorry that this happened anymore. Can you believe that? That a woman who had been physically and sexually abused spent her time loving and forgiving a man who did that. She said, I, I'm not sorry that that happened anymore. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you received and freely you give. You may have came to church today and you thought, yeah, I can't wait to learn how to survive a bad day. You know what you need to do first? Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Because until you move past this, you know what you'll do? You'll build a fence. You'll live offended. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus can't forgive you unless you forgive those who've hurt you. So again, I don't know. This, this was tough for me today, if I'm being honest. We've all been hurt. When I was a kid, I was crawling under this barbed wire fence and I thought I was out from underneath it. My friend was holding it up like this and I thought I was out from underneath it and I stood up and when I stood up, the fence dug into my back and there was no stopping the barbed wire and I stood up and it just went boom, straight down my back. As a matter of fact, I have a scar on my back. It's about this long. Um, when I was six years old, it went from top to bottom. I grew up like in the school of hard knocks. So my dad came and picked me up from my friend's house, put a couple band-aids on it, made me sleep on my stomach for a few months. We didn't go to the doctor and do that kind of stuff. That's weak sauce in our house, okay? But I have a scar from it. Some of you, you've got scars, emotional scars in your life. Things that have happened to you that you wish they had never happened. And I could look at my friend Jason who was holding the fence and I could have been like, why didn't you tell me I was out from underneath it further? Just accepted it as a scar. Some of you have scars in your life. And I want you to know that the reason that you do is because we cannot escape this life without pain. It happens. We all go through it. But here's what I know. Forgiven people forgive people. 